Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Rambling About Riverdale. We are here to talk about this week's, now last week's, upon when you hear this episode, the massive, massive time jump. Because Riverdale has now jumped seven years into the future. And guys, I know you both have a lot of thoughts about it, but just mm-hmm. if you let me get this out of the way... Because the one thing that really stuck with me in a bad way, I really cannot believe that this made the show. It is such an egregious mistake. Mm -hmm. So obviously you guys both witnessed this too, but to explain to the listener, the show has now jumped seven years into the future. There was a scene where Veronica is talking to her husband and (gasps) he says something, you know, scolds her for, for something. And she responds to him. She says, Chadwick, it's 2021. Now, here's the thing. Archie's father died in 2019. The rest of this season has been taking place in 2020. So how, after they jumped seven years, is it, is 2021? it 2021? I, I can't bad. believe that basic of a mistake made it to air. Yeah, that's. I expect better from the writers. That's no bueno. So, Frank, how did you feel about Archie returning to town after the war and finding Riverdale to be in shambles? Talk to me when we get to the Afterlife with Archie episode. You made that joke last week. I know. It's all I got. Chris. I thought it was very reminiscent of of Marty McFly coming back to 1985 uh, after after he goes to the alternate reality where Biff marries his mother. Right. Because, you know, when Marty McFly went back to Oakdale or whatever the hell he was from, Mm -hmm. it was full of homeless people with dogs running around. Yeah. And the ghoulies took over his childhood home. No, I don't think so. Don't dilute what Riverdale is doing by comparing exactly. it to some 40-year-old Bobby Z uh, schlock. Uh, oh, oh, wow. You think, so you're telling me that there's an issue with uh, showing that the town is bad by now having an African-American family living in his house? Wow. I, I would never suggest wow. that, Bobby, that Bobby Z would <laughs> You're would saying that's that, tasteless? I mean. And maybe hasn't aged too well? Wow. Who's to say? So- Chris, because Frank, uh, I I don't know, he must have been snoozing during the episode. He clearly wasn't paying attention. So Chris, my big question for you, knowing that you are such a a big fan of Pop Tate, of course, the owner of Pop's Chocolate Shop, Mm -hmm. how did you feel about the thread throughout the entire episode where there appeared to have been something bad that happened to Pop, but in the end, it turned out that he was just retiring? How did you feel, though, before you had that relief of knowing that Pop was safe? Because it was very much implied that something bad had happened to Pop Tate. Before the reveal, devastated, bewildered. After the reveal, relief, a calm. That's all. And Frank, one last question for you before we wrap up this week's Rambling About Riverdale. I want your guess. It was hinted at multiple times in the episode. It's clearly building to something. I want to hear your thoughts on who is the father of Tony Topaz's child. You know, all signs point to probably Jughead. I'm going to go with Chadwick. Wow. I got to tell you, I don't think there's I'm a single go with sign Pop. that points to Jughead. Nope. I oh, think it's Pop. Pop. Dude, oh. dude, watch the, ep- well, watch the episode remember, again. Watch the episode you- again. I'm just going to keep cutting you off. He's retiring and selling the business so that he can afford to raise this child. Watch the episode again. If you remember signs and they point at Jughead. (laughs) Pay attention, Mike. See, that's why you're here, because you pick up. It wasn't exactly subtle. Yep. (laughs) Oh. So guys, now that we're seven years in the future. Mm -hmm. Which is apparently 2021. A year and a half. Tomato tomato. Which is apparently 2021. Right now. Right. Do you think the gang is going to stick back together? Because as Archie said, they're the only ones that can save Riverdale. I don't think there's any way that they stick together, if I'm being honest with you. Maybe that's the pessimist in me, but I think uh, I think season six, we're going to fast forward nine years in the future. And that's the next next time that they will be seeing each other. Yeah, I think so Riverdale. This... I think Riverdale's fucked. Mm-hmm. Quite honest. R.I.P. Riverdale. There's only one man who can solve the mysteries going on in Riverdale, who can save this, this town. And that man's name is Sam, the main character of Under the Silver Lake. That man's name is Sam Drew Garfield. 
But now you're bleeding the cold open with the main episode. You're blending them together. But that's where that's that's where you go into it. That's the transition, pal. This is radio, baby. We'll yeah, see. you go. You go, Sandra Garfield. No, that feature is feature even, even if we even if we bleed in. And now our feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome to another edition of Feature Presentation. My name is Frankie Fiermonti, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris Perkowski. Hello. And Mike Hawkins. I, I'm, I'm here live. I, I'm, I'm not a cat. <laughs> i wanted to keep you on your toes with that uh chris and mike i always chris, go second i was looking for something to do i always because i always go whoever gets here first because uh-huh. it lines up that way and then i saw you look away so i was like i'm getting chris first yeah so uh boys we watched 2018's under the silver lake this week and let me tell mm-hmm. you mike good job this was fun i like i liked under the silver lake we'll see you guys next week no under the Silver Lake, it was fucking weird, guys. Like, it's a wacky it, movie. There's a lot going on. Chris, do you want to give us the, the little plot boy, and then we'll we'll get into it? Because there is so absolutely much. no stop. Silver... Stop. Wait. Breaking Uh-oh. news. Uh-oh. Deadline. Clue animated series based on board game in the works. Ooh. Clue, the animated series. This is a moment I have waited for. If we can dive into the backstory of Colonel Mustard, if this could be set during the time that Colonel Mustard was at war. Oh, man. Think of the possibility. Was at war with Archie? Don't make a mockery of Colonel Mustard. God damn, Chris. We ask one thing to keep sacred on this podcast, and that's Colonel Mustard and his military rank. So is this going to be about like when he was Major Mustard, or what are we doing? Is he Private Mustard at that point? Oh, man. Private Mustard? We're going all the way back? Yeah. No shit. Show me Colonel Mustard in boot camp. Buck Private. Under the Silver Lake, directed by David Robert Mitchell, young and disenchanted Sam meets a mysterious and beautiful woman who's swimming in his building's uh, pool one night. When she suddenly vanishes the next morning, Sam embarks on a surreal quest across Los Angeles to decode the secret behind her disappearance, leading him into the murkiest depths of mystery, scandal, and conspiracy. So, uh, spoiler alert slash trigger warning... There is a dog killer in this movie. and Yeah, but then it disappears. Th- well, so first of all, no, because it upset me greatly that the first thing you see is beware the dog killer. And I was like, oh, man, mm-hmm. dogs are going to die. I was not happy with Mike for this movie. And then it gets better. So just throwing that out there. Guys, this fucking movie's weird. and I like it a lot. Like there's codes to decipher. There's multiple storylines, some of which go nowhere. That's, yeah, that's, that's my, I don't know. Before we hopped on the call, or before we started recording, that is, it was established that th- this is a movie that I'm a fan of coming into. I picked it for our pool. Frank said he liked it a lot. Chris, who was late because he only just watched it, said that he was <laughs> unsure. So let's break it down. Chris, why were you unsure? What, what, what is it that, that you're on the fence with? There's a lot to potentially be on the fence about. Yeah, it, it, it is a lot of those... Uh, plot points like the dog killer that seemingly go nowhere that disappear what happened to the to the owl's kiss that was prancing in his apartment and then is nowhere again um well the the, owl left the apartment sure and then never yeah sure um what if the owl is still in the apartment who could be hiding um silver lake too owl's apartment (laughs) the owl Um, moves in because he gets evicted at the end spoiler alert Frank, if they're listening to this, <laughs> they don't need a spoiler alert. I don't know. They more than likely watch listeners. the movie. I, I don't know. I, I've got I've got an issue with with the male gaze in the film. Because um, like if if it's if that sexualization is done for a purpose, okay. But it very much just seemed like it was just like a fucking uh, a movie shot by a teenage boy. Yeah, that's that's the way I felt about the male gaze in the film, that it was just there to be there. 
I disagree. I definitely think it was done for a purpose. I, I, I think it, it all se- I think it all seemed to be very purposeful. I, I think if this was from another director, say that was um, unproven, I guess in some of those regards, I think I would definitely be more inclined to agree. But seeing the way David Robert Mitchell is it Robert David David Robert um, David Robert David, David Robert. Robert seeing the way David Robert Mitchell handled um, similar aspects in It Follows. I think shows that it's something that was intentionally crafted as opposed to just purposeless over-sexualization. Yeah. I, yeah, but I, I mean, it's done well and it follows. I don't think it's very done, done very well in here. I think there's a difference why though. you think it's purposeful here. I mean, you said it because he, you said it's because he does it in it follows that it has to be purposeful here. I don't, I disagree. So I think it's purposeful because one uh, Sam Andrew Garfield's character is not supposed to be likable. Like, I, I don't think no, he's, he's supposed to be likable at all. He, he's a weird, like, creepy, like, overly aggressive. He beats up two kids. Like, he yeah, beats but they deserved Jesus it. I, I very much liked when he beat the shit out of those two kids. I, I mean, just because we enjoyed it doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. But I also fucking <laughs> he love He shoves it. that egg in that kid's mouth. Oh, man. And then when he beats up Jesus and pulls him off the toilet... And Jesus is and like, and there's a, a big bitch. zoom in shot of his gigantic shit with like, like little flowers on it. They, it looked like almost like he had gold flakes in his shit, which right. was like, kind of cool. But like at the same time, didn't really need it. Uh, just beat the guy up off the toilet. That, that would have been enough. But yeah, like he's hyper aggressive. He's like super creepy. Um, so I, I think that plays into the, the over sexualization, but also. This is from from what I've read and the, the couple of videos I watched and from obviously my own experience with it, this clearly has some allegorical connection to like the Hollywood system and like the Hollywood system of the past where there is that over-sexualization. So like this is a guy who's for, for all intents and purposes enamored with old Hollywood. You could tell that he's got always has like an old movie playing he has posters on the wall Mm -hmm. so it's in his mind it's not hyper sexualization or over sexualization it's just the way his brain works which i it's not again it's something that makes him a flawed character and not likable even though he's your protagonist does that make sense yeah so i think there is a purpose to it but Again, it, it might not be executed perfectly, and I get where you're coming from, where you don't think it's executed well, um, but I, I think there's definitely a purpose for it, and I think it's executed not perfectly, but I, I think it's well enough for what it's trying to convey. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. My overarching thing is basically just that like, it, it, it seems so much that it's, that it's – uh, objectifying the female body just to object it and rather than having them be characters like his whole purpose is like he thinks she's hot like his whole purpose for trying to get to to search for her is that he spied on her in the pool and thought she was hot i mean again like i said i I think it it works but i see where you're coming from like i get it i get it and i like i get that it's like Oh, but it's it's a it's a commentary on the male gaze, or that it's purposeful, like it's done purposefully. But like that doesn't make it like better now that it's like uh, that it's like oh, we're, it's supposed to be bad, but that makes this okay that we're doing this. It just doesn't seem well, like I, I the objectification think, does it doesn't work for me. I don't think we're saying that it's okay, but you did just a couple minutes ago say that it wasn't purposeful, and now you said that it was. So I think that's what Frank and I were arguing. Uh, no, but that yes, I'm. But I, Correct. But I'm saying like, if there's, if there's the theory that like, oh, that it's supposed to be about the male gaze, the objectification still does it like that. Those two ways don't, don't make it okay. And don't make it work for me. And I, I get that. I I see that. I just, I, I think it's a difference of opinion on this one. I do think it is a a lot because it does seem like it's, it's done with every single female character. Oh yeah, it absolutely uh, is. I mean, it's, like, it's definitely overblown, but it's also, I think, supposed to be like a, a commentary on pop culture obsessed, like misogynist shut-in males. And I think that's the intent behind it. Not necessarily speaking to 
how or if it works. But I think at least that, I mean, I've watched this a couple times and every time I watch it, I have like a different takeaway as to like what I think is like really going on. Cause there's a shitload of stuff going on in this mm-hmm. and it's hard to try to par- parse out. But I think especially, um, I mean, he has like, like Frank said, all, all the, the movie memorabilia, you know, or, or posters and, and th- magazines, things of that nature strewn about his apartment. Uh, he has comic book stuff. Um, there's the one scene where Andrew Garfield wakes up with his sticky hand holding an amazing Spider-Man comic, which was very cute. Um, and apparently know, go- was in the movie before he even signed on and he fought to keep it in because <laughs> they were like, hey, we could take this out because, you know, you and Spider-Man. Uh, huh, huh, huh. And he was like, no, I, I like, like No, I'm going to be in another one. It's fine. <laughs> Don't, and they're like, wait, what? You'll see. Don't worry. Um, so I, I think between that stuff, you know, he, he's at the bookstore with like these weird like magazines. He's he's obsessed with these movies. You, you see how he immediately obsesses over that uh over that neighbor who he sees at the pool obsesses over her to the to the point that he, he's going all over los angeles and and well silver lake as it were <laughs> trying mm-hmm. trying to find her trying to find out what happened to her um he's obsessive and there's the whole rant then from the the music writer talking oh, about yes, how yes. T- talking about how you know everything that like he he loves it was done by him yeah right it was done by him and like has no meaning like everything that's that's sculpted his life was done by this guy just for a buck it doesn't have any purpose mm-hmm. and there's there's also when the fella in in the bunker towards the end is explaining why they're all going to go down there uh, he says um I, I i forget the exact line but something along the lines of you're living in a carnival so i, be- I, I believe I, that is the line yeah so i i think it, it's an attempt to show him um taking it everything to, to an extreme be it things that he's like a fan of like say like the books and the comic books and the movie stuff or or the over over sexualization of women in the sense that he, he's he's that he just has this... a favorite playboy issue <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> and that step was certainly oh this is my favorite issue why i don't, I don't know it was, um, i stole it from my dad right right so i i think that's why everything is so turned up to 11. I certainly understand not liking it or not being comfortable with it though. But I think, because I assumed that this would come up because it does play such a big role in the movie. But I think after this being like my third or fourth watch, I think that's where I, I've kind of landed with it. And, and maybe, I mean, yeah, me, I just finished watching it 30 minutes ago. So maybe I need another watch at some point to, maybe I need to digest it and stuff, but that's my immediate reaction. There also is, of course, an argument to be made that you shouldn't have to do that. You know, like you should be able to take away what you should take away from from watching the movie. You shouldn't have to go back to to try to reason with it or, or you know, parse these things out. I mean, you just said that it's your third watch and you're taking this away from it now. So I, yes. is that not? No, no yeah, but so... <laughs> it is. But I'm, but I'm, no, but I'm saying that there's an argument to be made that say, say if you're a filmmaker, you, your film shouldn't necessarily have to be watched multiple times for someone to think oh this guy isn't being sexist or you know shouldn't necessarily have to be seen three or four times to have someone finally kind of land on it i'm saying this as a positive towards you Mm -hmm. that you know if you came away with that there's there's no there's no reason that you should have to say oh maybe i have to watch it again and then maybe i'll be able to reevaluate this i think there's an argument to be made in film that you should be able to watch it that one time and and not think that it's it's sexist or, mm-hmm. or overbearing. That's all. Especially, especially okay. because if it, it's something that is like tremendously sexist, tremendously overbearing, like you're not gonna want to have to watch it again to find out. Oh yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely is. Like, <laughs> no, nope, that, I'm that's, right. <laughs> that's part of it. Like, yeah, oh, no, nope, Chris nailed it. Like, that, that's all this is. Like, you shouldn't have to subjugate yourself to watching something that is clearly not, or rewatching something that's clearly not something you agree with or, or, or whatever, which is pretty much what Mike just explained. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, you shouldn't have to revisit for the sake of revisiting to try to sway your, sway your opinion. You sure. don't owe, you don't owe any time to the movie. The movie should be able to convey to you what it wants to convey in the time that you've allotted for it. You know what I, I mean? Gotcha. I apologize. I, I, Mike, I misunderstood the, the purpose of, of, uh, of what you were saying. One one huge takeaway that I had uh, was when he is having sex with uh, his his 
girlfriend, Ricky Lin- Linholm. Yes, yeah, um, his girlfriend. And uh, he, she admires his Kurt Cobain poster, and he says that he saw him live. There is a zero percent chance that he saw him live. He would have been about like what five. So the the movie <laughs> takes place in 2011. Oh, it takes place in 2011. If, when oh, you okay. see when, so the when maybe, yeah, when Homeboy dies in the the like the car. Oh, wreck, it says 20. I missed. I missed through 2011. Okay, so it takes place in 2011, but also and he's probably he's like, about 30. So, but that's still I guess he, I guess 20 he, years earlier. He saw I guess it when he, he was probably 10. could have seen it when he was 10. I guess. Yeah, it, like, it's a okay. Stretch. So I take that back. It's still a stretch. I yeah. like. I agree with you there. It's a stretch. Hey, so what do you guys think of Andrew Garfield? I know Chris, you and I are humongous fans of the social network yes frank, and i think he's I tremendous like, in the social network yes frank i feel like you either like don't like or haven't seen the social network or something no i rewatched it recently and i don't love it the way like i know like chris isn't it one of your favorite movies if not your favorite movie it's it's absolutely one of my favorite movies i think it's one of the best movies of the 2010s and i just found this article uh by Quentin Tarantino calling the social network the best movie of the 2010s. Hmm. Well, guess what? That. Chris, Chris, you, Mike, and Quentin Tarantino are all do the podcast from now on. It's really <laughs> that'd be great. Be, I think it's he'd really, be talking about feet every day, every every well, week. <laughs> every day. No, he'd make us record every day. The, uh, uh, <laughs> so so even you know, even separating from the social network, which, you know, as we just said, we I'm sorry. Love. My prod is at the cleaners, along with my hoodie and my fuck you flip-flops. So how do you guys feel feel about Andrew Garfield in general? I think he's I think he's good. I like, like Andrew Garfield. Yeah. I think he's he's good to very good, uh, depending on what he's given to work with. Generally, yeah. Yeah, because even so like we, I mean, we who can forget his work in the, in the film Silence? I can. Because I did. <laughs> I still have not seen I that saw. I'm dude, not watching the three and a half hour Monk movie or whatever the fuck it is. But it's Scorsese and you watch this three and a half hour Irish people old movie. Uh, yeah, but that's because it was De Niro, not Garfield and Driver. It's, hey, it, I'm driving it's a Liam truck here. as well. And I, 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 dude, so that was like one of the years that I was like seeing everything that was nominated for an Oscar. And when silence came out, I jumped the gun because everybody was like best picture nominee silence. And so I went to go see it and it was like a movie. I don't know what Scorsese was doing. And then I read I, that that was his passion project. And I was like, Marty, <laughs> I, I feel like you I made all these mob movies to make this priest movie. <laughs> I, I like thought I, his passion project was that friend Leibowitz show. <laughs> That I, feel I didn't like... understand the weekend update joke about uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> That's what you guys get for watching Saturday Night Live. Anyways, uh, I feel like I would enjoy Silence, but never watch it ever again after seeing it once. So yeah, I'm dude, putting it like off. I said, I saw it in theaters like opening weekend, and I don't remember a single thing about <laughs> Silence. You remember that it's long? Scorsese was. I remember uh, it's super fucking it. long, and I kept looking at my watch like, how it's gotta be coming to a close soon. But yeah, even even in Amazing Spider-Man like one and two, I don't think he's a good Peter Parker, but I think he's a good Spider-Man. If that makes sense. Oh well, yeah, I mean certainly yeah, no, he's he was not a good, good Spider-Man. Peter Parker at all. I don't yeah. think he was a good Peter. No, yeah, he was. He was, he was also he was, he was also mis- he was, he was also miscast as Peter Parker. Very much so. He was miscast, and not only that, like he was miscast in movies that weren't going to be good, even if they casted it correctly. Yeah, like, he was. Those good movies were like, going to suck no matter what. He was good as like smarmy, cocky Spider-Man. Yes, like, yeah. which I enjoyed him very much. So even that's like bottom of the barrel for him, and even that, like, there's redeeming qualities. So for the most part, I like him in almost everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's redeeming qualities like when he breaks the backboard with a tomahawk slam uh, in, in yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 1, yeah. Or when he fights a lizard in the library and Stanley mm-hmm. has the headphones on and can't That is a them. very good Stanley cameo. It's one of the best. I'm, it's one of my favorite Stanley cameos. I'm amazed that you guys remember this much about Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> That's or the only when, things I remember. <laughs> or when... Um, uh, the dude who played Pony Boy in the in in the Outsiders, uh, he saves his son when the bridge collapses or something. Chris has yeah. completely lost me. I remember Stanley. I remember Andrew Garfield's in them, 
And I remember uh, Gwen Stacy's head bounces off the pavement at the end of the second one, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, remember, don't mean to, I don't mean to put you on I remember on the spot. Dennis Leary's character who dies in the first movie yep. and then Captain has more Stacey. screen time than Paul Giamatti in the second movie. Yeah, Paul Giamatti advertised as the Rhino and then he's in it for like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but could you go ahead and do us your karaoke version of the Electro song from Amazing Spider-Man 2? Okay, it's a, it's a little something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. Spot on. It's unbelievable. That um, was not even that was not even a song. That was just you introducing a musical act. Um, I, I think that was the song. Mike, I think you need to listen to that song again because that was perfect. Frank, you remember the song, right? I, Where it's like I just Pharrell told you Will the you... three. I just told you the three things I remember. I remember Andrew no, Garfield Spider Man. This is from the next movie. Stanley's in the you first one. You don't remember Electro being all blue? Do you remember Jamie Foxx Electro? And and them filming sure. that movie like five minutes from my from where I grew up. Is that him? What to, him it? to they they filmed it in. They Levitown? filmed it at Grumman Studios. Yeah. Really, I didn't know yeah. that. Oh shit. The second one. So, yeah, I I drove. So by you could have dad. gone there when he turned blue into blue Electro. And I did. It, I was there. And it but and when it fixed his the gap in his two front teeth. <laughs> yeah. I was there. The, the I electricity brought his teeth together. Yeah. So if you if you watch that scene closely, you can hear me yelling, "Oh shit!" So uh, what did you guys think of of Andrew Garfield specifically in this movie? How did you think the, he was in terms of carrying a, a film? The first like, so the issue is, I think it's sort of a boring character. It's also a long movie. We it's should say very long. It, it's it's too long. It's two twenty. Probably could have been hour forty. Absolutely. They easily could have cut 40 minutes off of this. Yeah. I, so the first like 20 minutes, I don't know why, but I was like, he kind of sucks in this. And then and then I started to enjoy what he was doing in it. So I which thought was, he was, which was, he was cranking, cranking it. He was cranking it so As much. Cranking what, what he was doing. It, it turned into a regular crank feature. Yeah. Chris really turned crank, a corner. Crank picture. Crank Chris picture. really turned a corner. When, when he was, he had that he was sweet jerk off, off spread. Yeah, he had the sweet jerk off spread. And then he kept magazines. seeing the pictures of the girl whose dad died and her like crying in the picture. And he was like, ah, oh, I can't do that. Flip, 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 flip. <laughs> that really did it for Chris. And then he finds the ad from. He finds the ad for the prostate. The ad for the shooting for the shooting stars. Yeah, man. Who he saw at who he saw the Hollywood Forever trade yard thing. Have a little respect. Listen, okay. first of all, the OG shooting stars are Primo and Epico. But then, <laughs> but then these two, did, did you spot who one of them was before she blew up into being a huge world-famous star? One, Sydney Sweeney, and then the other yes. one is... That uh, was it. I was pointing out that it was Sydney Sweeney. No, no, I, I know. Because but... she's very popular now. Sid- the Sydney Sweeney is a big star now? What is she in? Oh, she's in Euphoria. She, yeah, she yeah. was on Euphoria. And okay. she's, like, she's like huge now. Still haven't watched that show, but Me I don't know the name. But she I was on Euphoria. I've heard very good things about Euphoria. Yeah, the guys in my office used to watch it, um, which was like weird because they're all like forty something. Um, but like they would watch it like while I was trying to work, and I'm like, yeah, I want to see the show, but like I'm also working. So <laughs> yeah, um, I hear that's very good. She was just in that big Machine Gun Kelly Downfalls High thing. She just got a a, a new show announced with her and Halsey. Yeah, she's big. Can we talk about how we're basically a Topher Grace podcast now? Because this is the second Topher Grace movie we've watched. How about that? First being, of course, the first episode, Spider-Man 3. He um, did not look like Topher Grace in this movie. No, he did No, but there's not. also like no, like, there's like maybe one shot of his face in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everything That's else true. is from like 70 feet away or behind his back and his dumb hat. So, do you guys want to get into like some of the the weird stuff, like some of the conspiracy stuff? And, what what and have whatnot? we been doing? No, because so there one of the conspiracies is that Topher Grace isn't actually a person. That well, he's yeah, a manifestation of Sam's mind, which is why you don't see him that much. And oh, like, that's interesting. So, like at the bar, he doesn't really interact with anybody except for Sam, and he's like on set like it's sam's conscious talking to him because he's talking to him about the dog killers by the way sam might be mm-hmm. the dog killer that's what i'm that's what i'm assuming which is why he has the dog biscuits all the time mm-hmm. so there's that there's when like the the big beware of dog killer is yeah. painted on the ground he's the only shadow that casts across it mm. it's, it's all weird shit like that 
yeah. or like how it's looming over him in the first shot, like the beware of dog killer painted on the window. Right. So there's a lot of that. When uh, she, when he's walking with the daughter of, of the man that died and she suggests that the, the dog killer could easily kill a human too. And he said, I'm not so sure about that. There, mm-hmm. There's plenty of, of well, yeah. Well, little and, and, little crumbs being laid here and there. So but I, it, almost, things, it almost seems too deliberate. Yeah. Well, there's two things that also got me to not think that. When he says it about like it being easier to kill, um, not being easier to kill a human, that's like a scene or two after he kills the songwriter. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- that's one thing that I think maybe doesn't make him the dog killer. The second thing is well, just just to, I, I do to have cut you off say. real quick. There yeah. are there are theories that the scene with the songwriter do- is it doesn't even actually take place. Yeah, that's got to be. I, I I had a big feeling that that was like in his imagination or something. I mean, when he, when he approaches the the mansion and it's not even a real set piece, they just have that beautiful right. matte painting. Right. Mm-hmm. The same thing with like when he's going into the cave. It's the the big shot of the cave mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is like a matte painting, and it looks it looks real shitty, like deliberately. Yeah. Um, um Well, I I have something to say about uh, you know these 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 young uh, millennials who are trying to make a stand and and break their guitars for what? What is the purpose of doing that? <laughs> Let me tell you something. See, I'm talking about the uh, preposterous outrage at Phoebe Bridgers this past weekend. I mean, doing the wanted... most classic like rock and roll thing there is. My only criticism of that whole thing is, why was she not swinging from the back of the neck? It would have, it would have smashed. Know. I know. Like, she was sledgehammering. She's very it. clearly never done it before. <laughs> she like it was like she was nailing in a fucking mm-hmm. railroad spike. <laughs> no, Phoebe, you swing it like a fucking. Like a like fucking a axe. axe. <laughs> Swing it like you mean it, girl. Come on. Yeah. Um, no, but well, I I wanted such uh, on what Frank said with the uh, with the beware of dog sign in the st- or, or graffiti in the street where he's the only cat, uh, shadow cast. Um, I mean that's that's a lot to do with Mike uh, Julakis, who is the cinematographer. He also filmed It Follows for uh, David Robert Mitchell. He also filmed Us and Split and Glass. I haven't seen Glass though, so I don't. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming it looks good because I, I'm a big fan of this guy's work. Um, it looks all right, but um, yeah, like Split looks really good, and Us is is a beautifully shot film. So like he he. He does frame things strategically like that, um, uh, uh, Julakis. So, um, well, the other thing that I think points to him maybe not being the the dog killer is at the end when he's with the the homeless king. Yeah, and the homeless king's <laughs> interrogating him. Yeah, and he's denying it. It seemed that seems like the only time in the entire movie where he's actually being a genuine like person. Sure. Like he's upset. It's the the girl from the what's the the, the billboard. Yes, yes. His Who's apparently his his ex girlfriend. Like, yeah. Did I miss something in the beginning where he acknowledged that was his ex girlfriend, or did we just find out at the party? Because I I I think that's you find it. out okay. at the party. Because okay. I, I think he walks in, he sees the billboard at one point. Right, and it's kind of it's like innocuous. It's just like a scene, yeah, like him there. being creepy. And then we see it like two more times after that. Yeah, and then finally he runs into her at the party, and you could put it together. Like even then, it doesn't why he kept staring it doesn't at sound the like billboard. Yeah, so is yeah. it like is it her dog that he was that he held so the biscuits think, for? Like yeah, because so it sounds like it could either be um, Sarah that he's looking for, or was looking for at this point. But because he that's the he gives the dog the biscuit. Meets, but he had the biscuits when he meets Sarah. So him so saying that I I'm keep thinking, the biscuits to to because of an ex girlfriend doesn't work with Sarah. That, and he also says like it was a long time ago, right? Which at first I was like, oh, he's lying because he doesn't want this guy to kill him. Right. But then like it kind of pieces together like, oh, he's talking about the girl that broke his heart. Like it was a long time ago. Yeah. Which also might be bullshit. Like they maybe for all we know, they might not have been in a relationship either. Like he's just a creepy weird dude. He might yeah, have she's like, just another woman that he's, that he's stared at in a pool. Yeah, like or that he's not with his sweet binocs. But it does seem like 
they they had a relationship of some sort in the past mm-hmm. and now like that that's the explanation for that and it seems genuine when put against basically every other thing he does in the entire movie yeah so like that's another thing that i think leads to him not being the the dog killer um but again I, i'm not really sure about that because there's a lot of ambiguity in this movie yeah I, I got to say, I got a really big kick out of uh, when he's sitting under uh, Newton's statue and the homeless king comes crawling up <laughs> the hill and he goes, who are you? Oh, I'm the homeless king. <laughs> <laughs> I get a very big kick out of that. The uh, Very matter of factly. Yeah. The, the weird characters in this all were very great, by the way. Like the homeless king is great. Uh, the weird guy that draws the comic book was great. Mm-hmm. Is the pirate? He, the pirate the like pirate. doesn't really do anything, but I mean, he was great. Like just him running away early in it's the movie so is so funny and like so weird. Um, the 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 weird guy at the end, which I think is credited as final guy or something like mm. final dude or whatever it is, um, he's real good. Obviously, the songwriter is am- that whole scene is amazing. Um, oh, shit, it might that- be a dream. I just figured out what that guy's in. I'm sorry. He's he's the fucking main bad guard in Shawshank Redemption. Who the uh... the final man? I could not figure out what I knew him from, and he's he's so good in Shawshank Redemption. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Holy shit! I did not realize like that just clicked for me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, but yeah, all like those the weird characters are are real good. Even even um Sarah, who's played by what's her name, Riley Keough? Riley Ke- Riley Cuff Keough? I I don't know. Who's like I don't know how to say Elvis's her last granddaughter, name. by the way? Like who's did not know that? Elvis, oh, shit, Elvis Presley and Priscilla Presley's granddaughter. Wow. Yeah. Um, like she's really good in the the few parts that she's in. Even like uh-huh. on the the like the video telestrator, whatever the fuck it's yes. called. She's it's not, very good in that scene. Yeah. Like, cause you you could tell she's like. She's not sure if she should be like flattered. This dude's looking for her, or scared that he's looking for her, but it yeah, doesn't really matter. So very, she's like, "Yeah." <laughs> well, she's like, "I mean, you can't get to me, so it doesn't really matter." But like, it yeah, is she's weird not that you've been chasing me around like for a week. <laughs> she's like, it, she's flattered and not scared because she doesn't have to be because she's like, "Well, mm-hmm. I'm stuck here, so later, doggy. <laughs> like, yeah. peace. Yeah. <laughs> see you, see you, see you never. Click." <laughs> Um, and, which and really his, well, I, I love, I love when he goes to the, uh, to like the super and he's like, yeah, why did they move? It's weird and stuff. And he's like, maybe she just didn't like you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which That's great. Uh, the comic book guy, the, the guy that draws the comic book that initially like sets him on the, like the dog killer path where he's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. He um, always plays like weird characters like that. He's got such a distinctive face and stuff yes. too. And and he's fantastic, and like, it's very believable that this weirdo mm-hmm. would have like face molds of all these famous people. Yes, and a secret like a secret layer in his bedroom to right. just make sure that the the cameras are working. Like right, and then he gets obviously killed by the owl's kiss, which he believes is connected to everything. Yeah, let's talk about the owl for a second. Yeah. because the first time I saw this, she I... walks like an owl. I was so damn spooked by the owl. <laughs> it's fucking the, terrifying. The the way it, it moves, like it, it, it leads with its, with its legs, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it leans its back back and everything. It just, yeah. the, the way it moves about, like legit, like spooked the hell out of me the first time I saw it. The way it Big swings time. its head to look at the camera, like when it when it's on camera and it swings mm-hmm. and looks at the camera before it goes and kills the, the creepy comic book guy. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it, it is weird and spooky and like do you guys think it's like a dream thing because nothing ever comes of it like you don't see it kill the comic book guy so he might have committed suicide and then the next time you see it it doesn't actually do anything and then disappears do you think it's just another like i think it's like the dog killer and just kind of disappears yeah because there's a bunch of things like that or when he's walking home there's like the shadow yes and there's that shadow guy that's there for a scene and then never comes back again and like yeah. apparently either there's two of them or is it, like, it can is it, teleport. Yeah, like is 
is it a is all this a metaphor for like schizophrenia like i i think a lot of that's a big theory too i think a lot of it is unreliable narrator either it's schizophrenia or it's dream sequences Mm -hmm. and it's not told where stuff is made obvious until like it's made so you have to piece that together like there's clearly clear dream sequences there's clearly dream sequences that you're made to know like it's a dream sequence like oh he's waking up from a dream like this spooked him and he woke up but then there's also like when he's in the the bathroom and the girls start yelling at him in the bathroom but then they're barking which is another clue that he might women women bark at him so many times in this movie yeah but one of them is clearly a dream sequence it's the it's yes I, Sarah swimming up like Marilyn Monroe in mm-hmm. Something's Gotta Give. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the other one with the... In Something's the, Gotta Give. Something's Gotta Give yeah. is the old Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yes, yes, sorry. And I think it was I think it was cut from the movie. I, I, or I thought we had gotten into your head with, with uh, no, no, Nancy no. Myers. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the Marilyn well, Monroe, Something's <laughs> Gotta Give, which also harkens back to him being like a, a pop culture. Old Hollywood pop culture fan, nerd. yeah. Yeah, there, it's so much. There's so much, Mike. There's so much, and then there's so, the whole thing with uh, uh, what's what's the actress that her uh, Janet Janet Gaynor, right? Is that who keeps coming up? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Who, whose gravy wakes up on? Yeah. Where his mother said that she just watched a Janet Gaynor movie. He wakes up on her grave, and then somebody else mentions Janet Gaynor after that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she I can't remember. I can't remember the context of what it was again. A fun fact from that graveyard, because that was the Hollywood Forever graveyard where, where they do the, you know, the graveyard movie screenings. And mm-hmm. there's the scene where he meets the shooting stars yes. with that, that odd fella. And when they move, they're in front of Hitchcock's grave. Uh-huh. And a, a, a fun fact about that is that, that that's a real grave for like a, a Dr. Hitchcock who passed away in like the 1800s. Uh-huh. Like that's actually a, a real grave there that they were able to shoot around. Whereas the Janet Gaynor grave w- was created by them. Mm, okay. That I always have a big question about, like that with uh, cemeteries and movies. Is that like, is it, it like, were they actually able to do that and stand on the person's grave? Because I feel like that's disrespectful to to do and film on. But yeah, now that now that you said that they made the Janet Gaynor grave at least, but were able to do that on on Doctor Hitchcock's grave. It's interesting. Poor Doctor Hitchcock. R.I.P. Dog. Another thing that I wanted to bring up is the score by Disasterpiece. I think the score is incredible. I think the score really makes the film. I'm curious what, what you two think of it. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, it's it's a really great piece. Um, I love like the, even like the musical performances seem to flow seamlessly with the entire movie. So like mm-hmm. when, when Jesus and the, what is it? Jesus and the Vampire Brides? Dracula Brides. Mm-hmm. Brides, Brides of Dracula. Dracula, Jesus and the Brides of Dracula. Yep. Even when they're that, playing, it fits perfectly. So, that Silverstone pickup song. Mm-hmm. Remember that, uh, man? What was that big hit they had? Panic, Panic Switch. Sure. Panic Switch was good. Whatever you say. That's all. It is. It is uh, the the funny uh, the funny line where he's beating up uh, Jesus, and um, he's asking him which songs that this this you know ghostwriter <laughs> wrote, and he names them. And he goes all the hits. He's like. <laughs> Hey man. Hey man. <laughs> you don't have to belittle me also. Also, he took a massive shit. Uh, bro. That thing was enormous. <laughs> like, whatever drugs and shit he was on, never do them because you will not poop for six years, apparently. <laughs> That's what that was. And there's like. gonna be gold flakes in your poop. Brother, don't do that drug. Let me tell you. Um somebody offers you a cookie don't eat the whole thing do not eat the whole thing don't drink the tea why did he keep eating and drinking stuff that people were giving him i yeah he's an idiot that was maria's point why does he keep why does he keep taking these things from people what about that somebody's cookie what about what mike what about that crypt club that crypt club was awesome it was very cool i like that a lot and i like the tables that had all the uh that were made of like headstones that was Mm -hmm. it was very cool i want to go there you know that that place sure, doesn't exist. And then he, but then he ate too much cookie and he ate didn't get that fun cookie. anymore. We've he all ate been way there. too much cookie and then woke up on Janet Gaynor's grave. I mean, haven't we all? Yeah, I've had uh, I've had a night like that. Oh man, don't you love Tuesdays? 
Yes, because that's when the new episode of Feature Presentation <laughs> is released. That was unintentional, I would like to say. You guys ever heard of this show, this Feature Presentation show? I don't know. If you're listening to this, you should check it out. I hear they had a good uh, a good Small Soldiers episode. Hey, it's about time they had something good, huh? I was going to say, I heard they had a real bad Black Cat episode. <laughs> you know, I have notes for a reason. So let's hear them. Uh, what's a good one? All right, you ready for a good good note? Number 22. Is this a Scientology movie? When uh, when the guy at the end is explaining to him, like, the, the whole cult? That was I thought that was funny. It was funny when the guy was explaining it. I, I, I gave myself a good chuckle. You mean your joke was funny? My, my joke not, not the guy explaining. What, the, him explaining wasn't funny. Him explaining was creepy, but then me being like, oh, look, is this what Scientology is? A real, real hoot. I really... I really, like I said, gave myself a chuckle. Great. Let's hear more notes. Homeless King Rules, which I think I posted like three times. I noted like three times. Coyotes are blessed creatures. Coyotes are blessed creatures, of course. Which, so that's another thing that kind of points to Sam being the, the dog guy, the dog killer, is yeah. how nervous he gets when the coyote yelps. And he's like, oh, is that a dog? Mm-hmm. Does seem kind of weird. Well, also, there's the scene after he leaves the home of the guy that's killed by the owl. And when he's walking down the block, all the dogs at all the houses are barking at him like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's something also. Yes. Yes. I think he is the dog killer probably. Hey, what'd you guys think of that brief animated bit made to look like the zine? I thought that was a cool little thing. Oh, that was very cool. That's such a great way to like explain rather than just like show him flipping through pages or show like still images. That was such a, great way of doing that the animation I, I looked love, really nice the animation looked great i love when movies just throw in a little animation to tell a little story like that like they did it here it was done in, in one of the deathly hollows movies when the, when the the tale of the deathly hollows is being mm-hmm. told um the trailer for the new candy man is like that and it's awesome mm. it's yeah, so I'm, I'm a bit i'm a big sucker for that because and also like if you do that live action i don't think it has the lasting like I won't remember as much from the live action, but that that change of media really helped like have those stories sink in where, so when the owl lady showed up, I wasn't like, all right, what's this fucking weird owl lady? I was like, oh, it's the owl's kiss or the the dog killer. I was like, oh, another thing. The guy found that, that film reel in like the 70s that talked about the dog killer. So that's another thing that points to the dog killer maybe existing before all this, like from 40 years before, unless maybe Sam's uh, heard about this and has become a copycat killer or something. I don't know. There's a lot. And also maybe like stop going to that bookstore all the time and pay your rent. Yeah. He says that he goes to the last bookstore all the time. Don't do that. Pay your rent. Instead of buying all these weird comic books and trying to get that dude's number, like... (laughs) Maybe show out show out a month's rent or so, so maybe they'll leave you alone. Right. I mean, the last, the last bookstore. The last bookstore does seem pretty darn cool. It does. That desk, that that checkout desk. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So I there's a go lot. To that guy at the front desk and be like, "Hi, give my number to an author." <laughs> I don't need your five dollars. I don't need your money. So that guy, that guy is in a bunch of shit too, right? He seems familiar. Hmm. I couldn't picture him from anything. Hmm. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Comic fan. Mike, no. you were going to say something and we, we stepped on it. Sorry. There's a lot of references. I mean, obviously, uh, throughout this to old Hollywood. So, some of them are more blatant than others. One of my favorites is when he, uh, he being Sam, Andrew Garfield, is using the binoculars to spy on his neighbor and he's got the cigarette and the phone and the binoculars and mm-hmm. he's in the exact position of Jimmy Stewart in Jim Stewart rear, window. rear window. Yeah. Right. Right. Like very intentionally staged and in also that exact way. in the exact same position as uh, Shia LaBeouf in Disturbia. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> That's a Disturbia joke. <laughs> Get it? Uh, when when he says that he hates Mondays and he eats lasagna. I do love that. It's weird how that's in like so many different movies. It's in this, it's in those, those movies with that large cat. It's yeah. So many different movies. 
So the other thing I wanted to shout out, that's not really as much like a... It, I, that's the one thing I remember from Silence, is that he's in like uh, Cambodia or wherever he goes, and he's eating a plate of lasagna, and he goes, I hate Mondays. So uh, something Cambodian lasagna. <laughs> so something that I've picked up on, only really like in this viewing, uh, because there's so much going on, as we've said, is there's so much in basically anyone's homes, like in the backgrounds, uh, that really like kind of tie everything together and make sense. The the big one that really jumped out to me, which is funny because like once I put it all together, it's like, yeah, no shit. Like this is very obvious. Is when Sam goes to Sarah's apartment and they're laying in bed and they're watching How to Marry a Millionaire. Mm-hmm. And she very much like loves How to Marry a Millionaire because she's got the dolls on her dresser of Lauren Bacall and Marilyn Monroe and Betty Grable. And she has a poster of it on her wall and they're watching the movie and how to marry a millionaire. It's this movie about these three women uh, attempting to, to marry a millionaire Mm -hmm. and then, you know, cycle around to the end of the movie. And she's now one of three women being locked in this, this crypt with a millionaire. millionaire. It's kind of thing where like, and there's stuff like that with Sam's apartment too, where things are like, being laid out in front of you so clearly, but unless like you really know what you're looking for, it, it's, it's not going to resonate as much, or at least it didn't with me. Maybe I'm just dumb, but, but I picked up on it this time and I said, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, did you, so another thing in that scene, um, which, so I kind of made this connection, but I don't think it holds up that well, but the fact that i made the connection and then this was part of it. Um, when you cut to the dolls, right. Mm-hmm. Each one of them had a little name tag under them with their first name. Right. With like weird lettering underneath. That was the Zodiac's code. And one of the movies that I was like, oh, this is kind of like, but this is like a weird supernatural version of Zodiac where like you don't really know what's going on. You're trying to piece it together. Obviously very different movies, but it does did have a similar vibe. Mm. Also, they both have Jimmy Simpson. Um, so that that was also a nice connection where I was like, "Oh shit, there I, I might be on and on into the mic again." I might be on to something, boys, but I, I don't think I was on to that much. I just thought that was cool, and I think I'm smart. <laughs> you know what? One uh, bugaboo I have with this movie is Ooh. what? And this is really just like a, a preference kind of thing. Chris, you talked about how gorgeous it is because of the cinematography, mm-hmm. and it is. It's it's beautiful. The one thing that kills me is I so badly wish it was shot on film. Imagine, like like I said, it looks gorgeous. Like I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but imagine how much more beautiful it would all look if it was on film. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my Um, goodness. Yeah. um, Even the, like the first thing that pops to mind that I I know would be tremendous if they shot it on film is when, um, Sam goes down and he's petting the dog and Sarah mm-hmm. comes out of the apartment and it's clearly like the close up noir like mm-hmm. femme fatale like lighting mm-hmm. that it it looks awesome it doesn't look perfect because it's shot digitally and obviously like enhanced to look that way right I think if they got that lighting down and did that on film it would be tremendous yeah totally I agree Oh, uh, shoot. I lost my thing. Oh, um, has anybody like deciphered what the parrot is saying? Is the parrot saying anything? I don't think I don't think it's saying anything. I think it's I don't I don't think it's saying ambiguous things. OK, yeah, I, I think it's like just intentionally could be it could sound like multiple different things. OK, yeah, I heard a lot of Oscar in it, but there's no that's Oscar. what I was hearing as well. Yeah, like I heard that a couple of times, but then he would also squawk, and then I wouldn't hear Oscar. Right. So, and then there were times where it where it was like, "I hate Mondays, I hate Mondays." Yep. I wonder what that could mean. I don't know. It can go a lot of ways. Where it maybe it's schizophrenia, maybe he is the dog killer. Um, but I mean, there is the the thing on his wall that that emblem that we see in Sarah's apartment after it is uh, emptied that he finds out means uh, keep quiet. So, I, I mean, at least the viewers led to believe that the conspiracy is real and everything that he saw is real because he sees it, his super sees it at the, or, right at but, the end of the movie. But did Unless he paint he's it imagining, himself? Sorry? 
But what if or he, he painted, painted it himself? himself. Yeah. Which, but. So that that symbol's real weird too because it shows up. I think right before he watches the uh, before he watches Seventh Heaven. Yes. Um, and he doesn't seem to acknowledge. Which it. I don't. I'm sorry. Like I, I got to interrupt really. Doesn't quick. acknowledge I didn't it. See, I didn't see Stephen Collins anywhere in that clip. Good try. I, I appreciate your joke. Anyway, he so he comes into his apartment and it's on the wall and it's clearly visible. Like when he's sitting watching the movie. Yeah. It, it's like a few feet away. So like, yeah. it's not like he's missing this completely. But right. they never show him painting it. Right. So at first, I thought like. It might not really be there. And then I thought maybe he painted it off camera or I, I, I couldn't figure that out. And then yeah. the super sees it at the end and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. So that is well, there. I think, I think, I think we see it. I think we see him walk into the apartment and it's, and it's there on the wall behind it. If, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's definitely there when he walks into the apartment at yeah, some point, so, but yeah. he doesn't and then react to it like no, it, he doesn't it's react there to it fresh. Ever. Yeah, which leads us to, again, if it's not all in his head, then the conspiracy is real, and uh, and he just has to not tell anybody about what he saw. Then he goes and bangs that old lady, and then, yeah, sees yeah. the super. And he's like, well, this is my life now. I'm homeless. Maybe he'll go live with his creepy friend Topher Grace, who is credited as a as bar buddy. Bar buddy. What's the funny thing is, it's not a buddy from the bar. That that's the character's like birth name, first name Bar, last name Buddy. Of the Hollywood buddies. Mm-hmm. Right. Of so, course, air the, space. <laughs> the, the the Silver Lake buddies, if you will. So, guys, what is your letterbox rating for Under the Silver Lake? Frank, we'll start with you. I gave it a four out of five. I liked it a lot that I, I enjoy how ambiguous it was, but also there's a few things that disappointed me with how ambiguous they were. So I, by far, not a perfect movie, but something I really, really enjoyed watching. Chris, do you want to go? Um, I have not rated it yet. I think I'm leaning towards three and a half. I, I definitely, I, I think I definitely liked it. Um, I like, a, I like a lot of what it's doing and I like, all of the different uh, possibilities towards what it could be. But I mean, as we mentioned before, there was just some, some issues I had with it. Maybe on a second watch, I can, I might bump it to four, but right now after this, I'm, I'm saying three and a half, Michael, big fan, four stars would watch again. Awesome. And boys. So now that we've done that, we've gone through the movie. uh, What'd you guys watch this week? I watched two things. Well, I watched three things because I watched, under the Silver Lake. I watched uh, the George Clooney film, The Descendants from 2011. Yeah, why did you watch that? <laughs> I um, saw that on Letterboxd and, and I was confused. I, I had never seen it, always wanted to see it because I like George Clooney. Um, and uh, it is going off of HBO Max. So I said, why not? And it was a uh, pretty good watch. He's really great in it. I'll tell you why not. Because pretty soon... Broadcast news is going to be going off your Blu-ray shelf when Frank comes over and takes it. <laughs> I'm sending um, him. He's my heavy to reap your Blu-rays. Um, and then I also knock, watched... Knock, knock, Guess who's uh, here to take broadcast news? I also watched something that you also watched, Mike, which is The Great Mouse Detective, which I hadn't seen since I was probably like three. Me neither. Um, yeah, and uh, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty good. Pretty it's solid. Fun. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. There's, it's there's some good fun. moments. Uh, yeah. The animation is is certainly really very good. yes, it's certainly very very good, especially yeah. for the Radigan time. Radigan rules. Oh yeah, Radigan's awesome. Fidget rules. Mm-hmm. So wait, guys, you're telling me that the mouse is a detective? He's and he's pretty great at it, if I might say. Wow. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that. It's I mean it's it's a mouse version of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, th- there's an appearance wait, from wait, Sherlock what? Holmes and Watson in it. I thought um, Sherlock Holmes was a human version of the Great Mouse Detective. What do, you, some, what do you mean? Some could say that. Hey, so when are we going to get a a Holmes and Watson uh, that with doesn't suck? Simon Pegg and Nick oh. Frost? Probably never, because I don't think Edgar Wright wants to do another movie with them. And I think you said that, it has to be Edgar Wright. I feel like it has to be Edgar Wright for it to be good. Like for it to be the movie that you want it to be, 
think it has to be Edgar Wright. I don't know. I feel like they could probably just do it on their own. Maybe. Christopher but, Nolan. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I feel be... like I feel like that's the ideal pair for like if you wanted to do a comedic Holmes and Watson instead of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley in the year of what when did that come out? 2018, 2019? Like two years ago with Braun Strowman. Um if you want yeah. you mean make a good movie and not a piece of shit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I watched. Uh, I liked The Descendants. It's going off of HBO Max and at the end of February. It's worth a watch if you want to watch it. It's good. George Clooney's fantastic. He always is. Frank, what did you watch? So the only other movie movie that I watched isn't really a movie. It's a short. Uh, Buster Keaton's The Haunted House turned 100 on February 10th, I believe. So yesterday as we're recording... Last week, um, when you're listening, unless you're listening way in the future, then good luck figuring out that math. Um, But that turned 100 years old. Let me tell you, it's 20 minutes. It's a silent, silent film where gangsters pretend a house is haunted to protect like their stolen money. It's real like it's real 1920s plot where like it doesn't nothing connects, but it all connects. You know what you know what I'm saying? Like. There's no reason for any of this to connect, but they do it because they had ideas. Um, but it's got a bunch of fun Buster Keaton gags. There are stairs that turn into a slide that he slips down about five times, and every single time it made me laugh. Uh, there's guys dressed up as skeletons, and they build a mannequin, and it turns into a real person, which I don't get because it, it's supposed to be not actual haunted house. So that, that was kind of weird. But th- there's a lot of fun Buster Keaton gags in that. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Under the Silver Lake, obviously. Uh, Mike, what do you think you of watch? Under the Silver Lake? Uh, let me tell you, there's a lot of weird shit in it. Hmm. We should talk about Mike, that. Mike, what, uh, what did you watch? This past week, I watched a couple classics that were big, uh, big omissions in my list of films that I have seen. So I watched The Red Shoes, I watched E2 Mama Tambien, and I watched Battle Royale all for the first time. What did you think of The Red Shoes? The Red Shoes is a masterpiece. Right? It's something I've been meaning to watch for years. I'm very happy I finally got around to it. I got to tell you that Marty Scorsese, he says a film is good, and he might be right, because it is a good film. Itu Mama Tambien is tremendous. Uh, you know, we are in the midst of a week-long Pedro Pascal celebration, and all I could think watching this in which Diego Luna is one of the main characters, all I could think was, man, when are we going to get Diego Luna and Pedro Pascal together on screen in the Star Wars? Can we make that happen? Is there a way to do this? It depends how long Mando survives, because I think he's like, right? Isn't Mando right after Jedi? Mm-hmm. So like he has to... I mean, I, mean I don't, I don't need the actual logistics. I would just like to see those two fellas on screen together doing some yeah, nice star wars things yeah yeah i i don't think the logistics do work because rogue one is before a new hope and diego luna's character dies, dies. In that movie. Know, but, <laughs> right. but maybe he could maybe he could be like a I force forgot he's, i forgot he's a rogue one guy and not a, yeah a, a i also didn't guy. like him I in said. rogue one did not care for him well he's very good in each mama tam yet i'll tell you that much check that out where uh where is it available to watch criterion okay and uh, what was the other one I said? Oh, Battle Royale. Battle Royale is fucking awesome. You've never I seen Battle seen it. Royale? I, I mean, like, I've seen, like, bits and pieces over the year, but, like, I know, years. But I never sat down and watched the whole thing. I'm like, it's fucking sick. I should have watched it when I was, like, 15. It's The Condemned, but it's kids, and it's good, really, really good. And it's also before The Condemned. No, I know. That, that um, was the joke part. It could have used Steve Austin, though, imagine. Uh, dude, Steve Austin it, in that movie? Perfect mm-hmm. movie. Uh, I would also like to shout out Space Sweepers, which I watched, which is available on Netflix now. It is Korea's first big space blockbuster. And uh, it's it's a little bit long, but I just watched it like a, a day or two ago. And it's fun. It is a fun watch. It has Kim Tyree from The Handmaiden. So there's been like a lot of um, hoopla over that because people loved her in The Handmaiden. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a fun little watch. Like I said, a little long in the tooth, but... It's a fun little space ditty. Isn't that the the fucking cereal from Under the Silver Lake? 
Frank, it's all connected. Oh, bum, no. Bum. Oh, man. There's going to be some ciphers in, in oh, no. the Korean movie. My or window just ciphers. broke. Let me go. Let me go check out what, what's going on there. You know he's gonna get owl kissed, right? Yeah, it's fine. Man, Chris could do accents. He cannot do walks. <laughs> it's like he was doing the can can. He's doing a Rockettes impression over here. Do you want to do Blue Boys? Do we have anything? I bought some stuff. Did you guys buy some stuff? I did allude to something else was coming in the mail this week, and it came a couple of days early. Uh, so I purchased, when I purchased the, um, what else did I buy? I bought Cloverfield. That I talked about that last week, so I'm stoked yes. on uh, that. Uh, this week, Shin Godzilla showed up in the mail. Hmm. I oh, am... oh, hey. Shin Godzilla showed up for me, too. Dude. Not sure why I bought that. That's weird. Uh, by the way, go fuck yourself, because I waited like almost two weeks for mine. To really? And you probably ordered yours like yesterday. <laughs> it came already. I ordered it. Um, I ordered it like Friday or Saturday, and I got I, it uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. I made the mistake of still ordering it while it was technically a pre-order. And then it snowed 900 feet, so they mm-hmm. delayed everything. And also the mail sucks, and also Amazon shipping kind of sucks, so... That's what happened to mine. Yeah. I also bought this, uh, the Godfather, Father, the Godfather. <laughs> I bought this, the Godfather Coppola restoration. Uh, it says includes all three films. I'm, I really only bought it for uh, the Godfather part three, because it looks like there's a lot of good special features on it that were not available on the regular Godfather part three Blu-ray. Um, I have no interest in watching the other two. Mike, you always have something. You got something? I've got nothing. Mike didn't buy what? anything. What? Wow. Well, boys, I think it was in our contracts that if Mike didn't buy something, we were ending the show, so it's been real. Uh, no new episode next week. <sighs> Bye. We had a fun, we had a fun uh, set for March, but End you guys aren't going to see all. it. I mean, I am waiting on an order that I placed, but I've got nothing to share. You can do that next week. It'll be like, it'll be a big week next week. Like this is what I don't get. Like you ordered something and like you couldn't put in a good word with your father, the mailman, to make sure that it got to you by Thursday. I don't. Know. I tried. I tried, but he just kept nodding his head. I don't think he was listening. <laughs> hey, uh, what are we watching next week, boys? We should probably announce. Tell, tell everybody what we're what we're watching next week. We're watching a movie. We are watching uh, Black Swan, directed by Darren Aronofsky. That is our last movie of February. And next week, uh, we will also be unveiling our set for uh, uh, our schedule for March and the first week of April. And it is monstrous. One could say. That's a goddamn teaser, if I've ever heard one. Folks. Uh, If you want to follow Frankie on Twitter, you can follow him at FrankieFearYo, F-I-E. R-Y-O. If you want to follow Chris on Twitter, you can follow him at Dr. Underscore Perk, P-E-R-K. If you want to follow Feature Presentation on Twitter and Instagram, we are at FeetPresPod, F-E-A-T-P-R-E-S-P-O-D. Next week is Black Swan. I don't know. I don't have like a good line to, <laughs> to close out on. <laughs>